thank you for tuning into Cheeky Volley, Episode 4, Part 2. In Part 2, we discuss Federer and Nadal's future, the GOAT dis- discussion, GOAT as in goat cheese, as in greatest of all time. And we apologize, but we decided, as mentioned in the first episode, that there will not be a Seinfeld episode featured here. After a late night in the studio of cutting and editing with Kabir and thinking about the deeper questions, we decided that episode four is one episode with multiple parts and thus only warrants one Seinfeld episode. Thus, the lip reader remains the motivating force for episode four, part two. You can now find Cheeky Volley on Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, and several other hosting services. If there's, another, if there's another service that you would like us to host with, please email us at cheekyvolley at gmail.com. Thank you, and enjoy. Quick question for the bookies. So I had, um, and Alex and Brad, you, we were all there together, but I had called Cole Schreiber beating Zverev. If I had bet on that, how much could I have made? Let's say I put down 150 for that match. Cole Schreiber uh, you could have probably, if you put down, let's just do a hundred for even numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could have probably won three hundred. Pretty cheeky. Uh, I, I, I would say, I would say more. I would say like six, seven hundred, maybe. Yeah. Zira so must have no, been like heavy favorite there. I had no doubt Cole Schreiber's winning that. That was if a, I uh, if I bet it, I would be doing all the weird like parlays. Like I would get way <laughs> complicated with it. Brett, you had it. What were you? It sounds like you were pretty pumped about the the Heineken the Heineken booth at the U.S. Open this year. <laughs> yeah. So so we showed up and we were looking for. I mean, we needed some water. It was a pretty hot day. I was and, really dehydrated. I think I went out the night before, maybe. Yeah, you were you were definitely dehydrated. I was well rested, but I require a lot of water. So I go over, and he's like, "I I don't sell water, only Heineken." And I see a Gatorade in his refrigerator, and I'm like, "Can I have that Gatorade?" He's like, "You're the twentieth person to ask about that Gatorade. You can only get Heineken here." And it was like one of his friends that like stored the Gatorade there. So we ended up getting a Heineken. It was like ten bucks a pop. And really money well spent money well spent then <laughs> debated because of the price of the water debated actually finishing the Heineken and then just drinking water out of it. <laughs> so I feel like this brings up an, an important point that's kind of come up are in the finals, the the U S open men's final. I feel like I watched probably about honestly, like actually truly watching maybe like 30 to 40% of the match because yeah, so generally. much of it, yeah. was taken up by just constant bombarding rapid fire Facebook message group. Um, <laughs> wait, short digression, short digression is every time, like because Del Potro hits his forehand flat um, and it, it sounds so much loud, louder on the, on the, on the TV, my dogs would, my, my, we have like a new young sort of puppy. He's like leaving puppyhood. It's about one years old. Shout out, start ba- shout out Jack Saporin. He would just start uh, barking every time uh, Del Potro hit a forehand. Wow, that's great. So, because he he just throws down the thunder. But anyways, return. So digression from a digression. Return to the digression. But one um, digression. So we're back at a one, one Facebook, We're back at the Facebook. Me- we went from dog digression back to Facebook message, uh, which was a digression from tennis. Um, anyways, the point being, uh, we just start talking about who's who on the tour is best to get a pint with. And I feel like it's a really important question in terms of understanding different personalities. 
Um, so right now, Kabir, cheekiest pine on the tour, who, who do you think? First, shout out. This is, a, this is a conversation that Adam Watson and I have been Adam having Watson. for several years. So happy that he's gone on the airwaves now. We've got to get Adam on an episode so he can give his input on this as well. Um, he's got some cheeky uh, perspective on the pine talk. Um, all right, cheekiest pine on tour. Um, tough one. Does it have, okay, so current player or general? It, it also it doesn't have to necessarily. I mean, cheekiest pine is is obviously ideal to the sort of thematic motifs of the show, but just the uh, the sort of like right if, right now you're going to get a pine with a player in the tour and someone who is like maybe a personnel in the U.S. Open. Who are you going? Who are you going for? Maybe Curios. Okay, so why, what's good about the Curios pint? Anyone, anyone can weigh in. Brett Asher, feel free to weigh in on the Curios pint. Um, well, Curios, like, despite his like antics uh, on the court, um, I think like universally the guys, the guys love him on tour. They say he's like super genuine when they, when he like asks them about how they're doing and stuff. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. off the court, off the court. So that, that's actually pretty interesting. So I feel like he's definitely ordering like a car bomb, like the the, the, <laughs> the Guinness with like a Jägermeister inside the Guinness or whatever. I feel like that's his move. Do, do you think his his Australian accent gets even heavier the more he drinks? Or yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he gets he starts talking about like the Bobby like deep like, <laughs> after a few uh, after a few beers. It's all about the Barbie. And when do when do you think the spiky shell comes off? Because Someone who acts like he acts. Jaeger shots. He doesn't want to take anything too seriously, it, it seems like, because if he does, something bad's going to happen. Like, I think I think after a few drinks, our boy Kyrgios gets really sensitive. I do, too. <laughs> he starts, and that's why I would, starts, I would think it would be interesting. Yeah, I feel like after a couple of drinks, you could really chew the fat. Like, it would get really deep with Kyrgios. And then maybe I could get him to sign a contract so I could coach him. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good matchup. The Brett, Ke- he's oh God. I hope he gets a coach in 2019. What we about Asher? Have really tight well, I think, well, I think Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad Leani. He he doesn't have a coaching gig uh, for next year. Uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> he I, he would be a, a nice pint. I feel like Muhammad Leani would be a really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be really good. He'd like he'd have like some developed craft beer taste for sure. The closest thing, the closest experience I've had to getting a pint with Muhammad Lani was ball boying during one of the matches that he's unpacking <laughs> for. Total lad. Great guy. Liani. Um, so what about, like, uh, Asher, who do we have that's, uh, who do you think is like a low-key, a low-key low good pint? Maybe someone that you were not sort of necessarily sure about. Well, I think, uh, like, if we're not just looking at uh, current players, um, uh-huh. I think Cheeky Volley Hall of Fame. First ballot, Dmitry Tursunov. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. Wait, Kabir, so who profile Tursunov, sort of? Yeah, Kabir, you go ahead. Yeah, so Dmitry Tursunov, I, I don't know if he's formally retired, but Russian player, spent, I think, half his life in the U.S., so he's got a pretty American, quite California accent. Huge hitter, just hits massive ground strokes off the ground. Was really was a pretty top player. I think at one point he was top 15. Um, also known as... Definitely a jokester on the tour. I remember years ago, I think he was playing Federer, maybe Indian Wells, one of these tournaments, and uh, he made a short video before the match, um, basically saying, like, look, if I to play Federer, you know, I'm not going to win. Chances are really low. I've got to, you know, I need an edge. I, I've got to rattle him a little bit. So he took about 40 bananas and put it in Federer's bag <laughs> before the match. 
um, to rattle Federer. I think actually that match he took a, a, a tiebreak off in 7-6. So Tursanov, top guy, top banter. The end of the U.S. Open, I think a kind of uh, sort of the subs, like a, a subtext or a sort of mm, mm, tangent, uh, related storyline, or let's say I think subtext is the way to go, is, and we, we've kind of seen this before a few years ago, where people are kind of like, uh, how, how much longer are Fed and Nadal going to last? I think specifically Federer, it was a little bit like, okay, he's looking old. The end of each year, the last few years, come U.S. Open, it seems like he gets kind of tired, kind of worked. Like, he's in decent form. Wimbledon seems healthy, gets to U.S. Open, and things kind of uh, sort of – I mean, he, he just gets to the point where he it seems like he, he can't compete at the level that we want to see him compete at. And Nadal, I, I, I felt like what happened this year was reminiscent of Nadal a few years ago before he kind of had his comeback where – he goes into a tournament and then something happens with his knees, um, right? Like this, this knee thing is not a new thing. It's he's been healthy for the last year and a half or so. The uh, knees, the knees hurting at the end of the year, the the tendonitis he has. I mean, I feel like this is this is each year. It's just kind of he puts his body through so much. You know, end of the year always pulls out of at least one or two tournaments, right? So what do we see, Kabir? What do you think we see for them kind of moving forward? Uh, like, do we? It sounded like Federer kind of made a slight nod to retiring in his in his press conference, although it wasn't convincing. Um, wait, what did he say? I don't even know if I caught didn't, that. Didn't he? I thought didn't he say something about uh, how this? Like, I, I thought he someone asked him a question about retiring, and he said that like with the Millman match that he was. Uh, did anyone else see that? Was it retiring from the match or retiring from a career? Oh, maybe was it? Was he saying retiring from that? Yeah, yeah, it may have been that. I think it may have been that. Okay, sorry. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think definitely, I think he's done playing clay. Don't see the, you know, I mean, um, not playing clay. I don't know. It's interesting. It was a good point. I think we talked about this once during the Cincinnati final when uh, this year when he played Djokovic, Darren, mm -hmm. and he kind of looked off. I mean, he played well getting to the finals, and in the finals just. Serve looked off, forehand totally misfiring from the first game. It's completely off. And Darren Cahill made a good comment about, you know, this is sort of the price you pay of playing limited tournaments of the year. Got to Wimbledon, uh, played, okay, played Wimbledon, then took off a couple weeks, now playing a match. Even at this level, being number one, you know, having as many accolades as he does, when you take weeks off, you slow down a bit. So, I don't know. Is he going to... I don't know. Yeah. Begs the question: if, if he plays even less next year, is it going to be even more kind of erratic and consistent results? I don't know. I think he's definitely done with clay. And I think it, you kind of it hurts your focus. I think when you start taking tournaments off. Yeah, maybe. Um, he gets he gets some time home with the double set of twins, and I feel like he's just thinking about yeah. other things. Maybe twelve. Yeah. Maybe twelve. I feel like it's next kind year. of amazing that he's able to do 
what he's done playing that limited amount to yeah. I, I don't know what he does for practice, but um it's he must Dubai. be able to, it's all about Dubai. Yeah. Big Dubai like, guy. But but if you look at like Serena, she's she's been on like a pretty similar schedule for like the last ten years. Yeah. In yeah. her case, like she is she is a lot better than like everyone else uh, on tour. So that kinda helps. Mm-hmm. Um but and then, like I'm, I'm not as downbeat on Fed yet. Um, same, same. What about I Rafa? Think I, Rafa just depends on the knees, I guess. I mean, if he stays healthy, like he'll he'll be winning the French like every year. Um, what what he does on the other surfaces, like I'm not sure. Yeah. What are the? Do we know the betting odds of him winning the French next year? Right now. Mm. Um, he must he must be heavy favorite. Like I can uh, I can try and, and check that out. Number two favorite. I mean team, right? Yeah, it's him or team. Yeah, I think it's got to be him or team. Djokovic plays this well. I mean, why not him? Yeah, and there's. I think Sasha Zverev can win a tournament on clay very soon. Mm, clay? I don't think his first. I think. I don't think his first slam is going to be the French Open. He he's like for such a tall guy though. He likes to get spinny. It's like yeah, he does play ball. really well on clay. He, he's won Monte Carlo and Rome, I think. And was he was he quarters at French this year? Yeah, he he scored, but he he played like three five set matches, um, and then he just ran out of gas against a team in the quarters. Yeah, he just he played that match just for respect. He was completely out of it. It was um. So I got the French Open 2019 odds. We got Nadal, Joker, number two, team three. What Marin. if you just bet Nadal winning? What are the odds? Oh, of him winning? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of that, but well, I got they, I got it in front of me. Uh. So Rafa is like one to one, so he's he's even. So if you bet a hundred, you win a hundred. But that's right Novak, now, right? Yeah, right now Novak is five to one. So that I think oh. that's like a, that's that's a great bet. Wait, so that means you bet a hundred, you win five hundred. Yeah. yeah. Eh, but I don't. He's. I mean, that seems actually pretty fair. Nick Kyrgios is in the top ten here. Hey, Kyrgios <laughs> is not winning the French. Dude, that is not a good service for him. Points go long. I feel like he gets like maybe there's a, a someone attractive in the crowd or something. He loses his focus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but all right. So I think this is a good lead into it. We're going to talk about the goat discussion. Um, we've had some rumblings in the group chat about. Uh, I mean, Kabir and I kind of hinted it to it in our in our one of our last episodes. Um, I'm kind of bullish on the Nadal goat conversation. Uh, the way we're going to do it is. I guess you can. Anyone can argue for whoever they want, but I, I do want. Since Djokovic just won, Asher, can you kind of make the argument for us? The sort of less, I think, the less heard argument that people, you know, I think people, their the impulse is to go to Federer, and then maybe someone be like, maybe Rafa, um, but there is definitely an argument to be made for Djokovic. So what's the go argument for Djokovic? Sure. So, so before before uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to like ask everyone else. What they think the goat was? Like, what, what, what exactly are we talking about? Are we talking about like goat career, like who so, plays the best at their peak, or if like, like let's say like the Bill Simmons argument, which is like if an alien came, and you didn't know who the alien was, and you had like one, you had to pick one guy from history to like win this win the match to save oh, the world. Like, that's that's <laughs> my that's what I choose, and that's why I always choose Nadal. Gotcha. Okay, so let, let let's let's do goat not in terms of. I well, think okay, well, I think you make your own argument. You make your own argument. Okay. 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 Because I think there's different, like when I I feel like the kind of classic goat discussion now is LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and there's kind of different. There's the longevity argument that LeBron's played longer. There's the titles argument that MJ has titles. So I, I think you can that works well with tennis. Um, 
all these guys have longevity. Obviously, Fetter has kind of the he, he kind of takes the cake in that. So you just you make your own argument. Okay, let's do it. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Right. So, so my my Novak argument. Um, basically, if we if we assume like Rafa Novak. Um, Roger all playing at their peak, like same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of think Novak finishes the year number one. So I kind of think like <laughs> playing with those two guys, like he's he's sort of better than them, taking into account like all the surfaces, just the head-to-head matchups. He's like he has the head-to-head advantage. It's it's not like he loses to anyone else. Like he's consistently getting to finals. He's consistently playing these guys in finals. Novak only has one French, right? Yeah, just the one French and. I th- I think he only has like a couple of finals as well. I think Roger has uh, has four finals. Mm-hmm. But but he he does he does have the win against Rafa on oh, on Chatrier, which which like only two guys in the history of, of tennis have. Which um, are which are Soderling, <laughs> him and Robin, a guy Robin Soderling. Shout out Soderling. But was was Soderling was that a final? Was that a wasn't that in the semis when he did that? I know fourth the fourth is fourth round. Yeah, so I I feel like. Uh, beating Rafa in the finals at the French is like an achievement in, in a kind of a different way. But, so but, but, but no, Novak, Novak didn't do that either. Novak beat him in the quarters as well. Uh, Soderling okay. allowed Federer to win. Yeah, so, that's, yes. that's yes. what gave Fed his, his one clay final or uh, championship. Robin yeah. Soderling now um, has a company that makes strings. Uh huh. And they follow us on Cheeky Volley. Are they called what? Are they called yeah. so, are they called Soder Strings? It's RS Tennis, and they follow us on Cheeky Volley. So, That's yeah, sick. Dude, so sick. We uh, we'll we'll have to do a giveaway for them. I just want one yeah. of their their logo stencils. Yeah, those okay, are so, pretty good. So basically, the uh, you think, uh, Asher, you think if you take all of them at their best, that um, that Djokovic wins. Oh, yeah, he fin- he finishes the year uh, number one. I think he takes like Australia and the U.S. Open, and then he takes like Indian Wells, Miami, uh, and then like a couple more, and then he takes the finals as well. See, I uh, think okay. I uh, here I'm gonna let someone else go. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the round. But, but like I, I should I should I should caveat that um, the surfaces are like com- like completely different than they were like 15 years ago. So if we're looking at like the 90s when Sampras was in his heyday, like this all the surfaces were generally super quick. Mm-hmm. So the so the surfaces that Novak has got to play on like the last few years uh, definitely helped him out like with the slower hard courts like indoors and outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Brett? Who do you who are you taking? I just think I mean I'm a big Fed fan, um, but Nadal, and this is the reason why. So if you look at a couple French Open finals. Nadal took a, a couple sets off Federer, usually first set, really quick, like 6-1, 6-2, like 40-minute set. And then you look at Nadal versus team, love six. Mm-hmm. He is mentally the yin and yang of tennis. He's able to bounce back from being punched in the face, and he's able to punch someone else in the face. And uh-huh. I like that. That to me is is someone that doesn't get too high and doesn't get too low, and has respect for everyone, and is just able to. He's the he's the real man. He's the real goat. I mean, if you can, <laughs> that's it. All right, here's. I think he's he's mentally the goat for sure. Definitely. All right, this is why I take Nadal first. I think 
I think Nadal and Djokovic's primes never overlapped because Nadal was sort of hurt when Djokovic started to play really well. Um, and so I think that – I think Nadal at his best – Nadal basically showed that he beat – he got to a point where I feel like in slams he was beating Federer consistently. When Federer was essentially in his prime, it seemed like Federer – like I think maybe because Nadal started – winning so much people thought that Federer was drifting a little bit and he did start to win less slams but considering that Federer had this second win in his career I feel like it's fair to say that their matches played in like the late the late knots were uh I think that's when Nadal takes the cake I think the one stat that shows it is on hard courts and grass Nadal uh Federer owns the the rivalry 11-9 and 2-1 so 11-9 on hard courts and on grass 2-1 um, and so, okay, so that's pretty close. Federer's a little better on grass, but on, on clay, Nadal is 13 to two mm. with Federer. So I feel like if you just play, let's say if you take like their three best years of tennis, play on all four surfaces, Nadal is going to eventually, he's going to win more matches. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, um, I think that's for sure. But the thing is like in tennis, like does a head to head, uh, matter that much? Actually, like, uh, someone, someone sent a, someone, someone sent a really good, uh, mailback comment and, uh, to John, John Wertheim. Oh, sorry, L. John Wertheim. Shout uh-huh. out to him. He, he produces a great, great tennis content. Yeah, he and basically, basically the argument was that the head to head matters in terms of like how it affects your, your title output. So basically uh-huh. Nadal, Nadal having the head to head over Roger meant that like Roger couldn't ha- get more grand slams. So he basically narrowed the gap. If, if the, if the head to head sort of, it doesn't matter for its own sake, like in tennis, right? Yeah, but I do think I, I feel like the fact that like Rafa has his what? It's eleven French Opens now. Yeah. So he's got his eleven French Opens, and he still has six titles on other surfaces, being hardcore and grass, which is what? It's three U.S. Opens, two Wimbledon's, one Australian Open. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, so, he's 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 not bad on the other surfaces. And and I just feel like I feel like you have to be. Like, I feel like Federer having one French is kind of weak. It you know, is. This is what's tough about the head-to-head argument, is that in their best form, they each beat each other. I mean, some of those matches where they were both in their, you know, prime playing each other goes to five sets. The match is decided by, what, three or four points. Mm. No, I think the 2008 Wimbledon final is the match that defines the, the GOAT conversation. But a Federer fan would argue that he had a mono that year, so he was. Oh, uh, he was yeah, not his best. <laughs> what? Uh, take us through the mono argument. Oh uh, well, yeah, he just started the year. So before 2008, I think he got to 10, uh, 10 Slam finals in a row, which is mm-hmm. which is insane. Uh, then he loses to Novak in straight sets of the 2008 Australian Australian Open. Also, he how the that... heck does a player on the tour get mono? I feel like that's something you get that... when you're in like a high school. Like how that, that is that is a great question, and uh, no no one dug deeper into it. <laughs> and all just a quick point, um, just of how debilitating mono can be. It ended the career of two players already, Mario Ancic and Robin Soderling, who may have been uh, doing some things in Monte Carlo that we can't talk yeah. about on this, <laughs> on this podcast. Career completely ruined by uh, mononucleosis. So anyway, Asher. Yeah, no, like he, he, then he got, he got to the French and like normally on clay, he was kind of, he was, he was always losing to Rafa, but he's kind of competitive and Rafa just like destroys him in that, uh, in that French final. And I imagine that must have like affected him in ways that maybe wouldn't have happened yeah. if he hadn't sort of gone six, in so, so mentally weak. Six one, six three, six love. 
Guys. Yeah, just destroyed him. Thoughts on this fact that I want to throw out there. Consecutive semifinals, and more importantly, I think, consecutive quarterfinals at a Grand Slam. Federer has 23 consecutive semifinals of the Grand Slam, followed by 36 consecutive quarterfinals. Yeah, it's unreal. That, that's, that's insane. How did that even happen? That's like, it's t- that's an argument that's tough to, to go against. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, uh, even, even apart one of the that. most consistent, right, in slams. I mean, if not the most consistent player in slams. Who, who, yeah, so has, one, most one of, weeks, who has most weeks at number one? Federer. Fed, Fed. By, by, by a long way. I think that, that's another one that helps him over, over Rafa. How many? Five years? Five years number one? He's had five years in number one, but he's got like 320 weeks, and like Rafa's got like, uh, I think, 210 weeks, something like that. So he's, he's, he's quite a way back. Um, he's quite a way back in the number of weeks at world number one. Right. So, so that that links to like a different argument which people use against Roger is that he he dominated an easy era, which I think Rafa, is a, I think is a fair argument. It is, but you you like it's hard to win Grand Slams and you always face guys who are basically playing like the match of their life, right? But it's like, how it's, often it's a, it's an easier era in relative terms, right? But is it is it like is it necessarily like easier? Like it's as in Rafa was also playing in the same era and he was losing to guys like who just played like incredible matches like Mikhail Yuzhny. No, that's why like I think That's why I don't think the relative the relative argument has much weight here. I I, I don't. No, yeah, but I, I don't. I don't like it the the reason why this go argument is is kind of like I think the best in all sports is that all these players essentially play at the same time. So you get to talk about it a little bit more in a vacuum because you don't worry about we're not like, oh, technology was different and the strokes were different and thus recovery was different. Like and it's it's I think the goat conversation in tennis is sort of better than any other sport because you you probably have like the top three of let's say six tennis players all time playing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of old technique, there's there's some on YouTube, there's some old Federer videos of him playing early 2000s where he's got the really old school one-hander where both his arms come up at the exact same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I would love to ask him, like, at what point did you decide to, you know, strip away with that and do the... Do did the he cassette? decide to enter the 21st century? <laughs> yeah. I The one thing I feel... Um, all right, two more. I think two more relevant points. I think one thing that Federer has is Nadal has been has been through a few generations of tennis, but Federer has the starts off beats like kind of bursts onto the international scene by beating Sampras at Wimbledon. So he he overlaps with like the Sampras Agassi era, and then he's in the Hewitt and the Roddick kind of like he's in that period. And then he's in the like the Federer Nadal Djokovic period, and then he's also into this new next gen Sasha Zverev, Kyrgios, uh, social media generation. So he, I think the fact that he's got the four generations where Rafa has like sort of three or so, uh, adds something to his, uh, to I, I guess the longevity argument. Yeah, and, and remember, right? Even even as Nadal's career was beginning, Federer was what world number one at twenty three. Um, for how many years did he win Indian Wells, Miami, back-to-back? Asher, how many years did he win three slams in a row? Uh, he won it in 04, 06, and 07. Yeah, it's unreal. Five U.S. But, but, in a row. But the thing is, like, Rafa, 
Rafa won his first major in 05, and he won like Toronto and Madrid that year. So it wasn't like he was a bad hardcore player. Oh yeah. He never got he, he never got to a final from like 05 to 08, like uh, on a, on a, on hardcore. Yeah. On hardcore. Yeah, exactly. Be legacy. So, so he wasn't taking advantage did, of that. both they both let their hair like kind of trim their hair as their careers changed. <laughs> trim the hair and the shorts became a bit shorter. I yeah, uh, I think I I feel like Nadal's game did get a little worse once he uh got away with the capris. Yeah, once he stopped wearing the capris, he, we lost something. Alright, I want to big question on what we're talking about the clothing. Asher, thoughts on Uniqlo? Well, uh, the the results have been pretty bad on the court. <laughs> I, I really think the Uniqlo clothing is kind of the fact it's like it's time for Federer to retire. I, there's something so there's it's it looks he looks good in it. Like I want to buy the clothes, but I, there's something weird about it. Mm. I yeah, really friend, yeah, don't want the price to drive up with Uniqlo. Yeah, that's a good point, too. We're trying to – Uniqlo is, like, where you go on a budget to look good. Yeah. Shout out Uniqlo. I know you sent us the uh, the contract. We're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're working on it. <laughs> Yo, uh, my, our, our friend, Kabir and I's friend, Chris, shout out to Chris. He, uh, he actually thinks the Uniqlo deal disqualifies Federer from the GOAT discussion. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it is – I mean, dude, the think? GOATs in most sports have played with Nike. Like, it's a fact. Yeah. Uh, Basketball, LeBron, MJ, tennis, it was Nike. Uh, I guess soccer, uh, there's probably the goats are wearing Adidas. But all right, let's uh, – any any last thoughts on the goat discussion? So if, if you were really pressed on it, Asher, who are you taking as the goat of the of these three? Uh, it depends. We default, right, right now I'm taking Roger for sure. Okay, you're taking Roger. Kabir, we Roger. already know it's Roger. Roger, uh, Roger. Kabir's putting on his 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 RF hat. <laughs> Brett, what about you? I mean, I'm a big Roger fan. I had a two-hand backhand my whole life. Currently play with a one-hander. It's really inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> and I go Rafa. I go Rafa, too. And I really think it's basically the alien argument why I take Rafa. It is. Like, okay, here's another way yeah. to put it. If you have – if you're playing a team tennis match, like let's say college tennis format – and you're picking your one or two, you're putting Rafa at one. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, I'm putting Fed at one. No, dude, anyone Rafa faces, you know you're probably going to win. I think Fed is... Yeah, uh, what if Rafa's playing a six-foot-six? Like, know. if he's playing Isner, basically. Or Chilich. I'm still taking him. But that, I think that's all we have for GOAT for now, unless you guys want to add well, something. I just, I just had, like, one more point is that uh, I think John McEnroe, when he does the GOAT discussion, he says, like, we just need to look at it by surface. We can't, like, combine it. Yeah, but I, I will say that, like, Rafa on clay is, like, not just is he the GOAT, like, player. He's a GOAT, like, NBA player. He's a GOAT NFL player. He's, he's just a GOAT athlete, Rafa on clay. Yeah, uh-huh. completely agree. There's, there's, that's indisputable. Rafa, Rafa on a fishing boat in Mallorca, also probably the goat at that kind of whatever that would be. But one point, so this is definitely an ongoing discussion, but just while we're on the topic of, you know, simplifying the argument to specificity of the surfaces. So Federer, how many Wimbledons? Eight? Eight, yeah. And Sampras had? Seven. Seven? Seven. Yeah. Okay, so who was better on grass, though? And wait, what about Borg? You got to throw Borg in there, right? Did he have six? Five? Yeah, we, oh, no, five or five, 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 five. Okay, so Sampras, Borg, Federer. Okay, I'm going to go with, I think grass does not play as quick as it used to before. 
I think if it was slower, I don't know if Sampras would have won as many Wimbledons he had. I think because grass is slower now and you can still play on the baseline, it was it's not completely serving a volley like it used to be. Federer is a more complete player. It's a better grass player. Yeah, I take Fed too. And I also take, like, early, I think Fed's serve has lost something. I think early in Fed's career, he, he had, like, the best serve on the tour. Yeah. And that, that version of him, like, his almost like pre-Nadal Federer, his serve was like incredible and his forehand has lost a little bit of punch too yeah for sure his i think switching to the bigger racket helped the uh, help the backhand but he doesn't fire those laser lasers like he used to with the, mm-hmm. with the forehand mm-hmm. yeah i feel that i mean he's still um, it's still a hefty shot but i think yeah i was watching actually yesterday on the train i was watching federer agassi 2005 us open highlights oh dude solid train it, watch unreal federer was i think 24 <laughs> years old and it's it's I mean, it was the biggest forehand at the time. It was unbelievable. The uh, the one thing I'll also say about, I mean, this is relevant to Fed and Sampras because both of them can come to the net, is I think one thing we saw at the U.S. Open is that, like, a lot of younger players haven't really developed net games. Like, it seemed like the even Djokovic was, the, the finals, part of the reason he was so well, he played so well is because he, he was really good at closing out points at the net, and he, uh, I mean, he didn't, like, miss an overhead. But you saw, I think we saw Zverev and some other players who their net games are kind of underdeveloped. And I think anyone for the grass argument, you got to be really solid at the net. I think I, I don't Djokovic. I don't think it has as good hands as Rafa or Fed though. No, I mean, Rafa, Rafa for sure. Yeah. Um, and well, it's a strong net player though. Definitely strong net. As I said, I think the ultimate, I think there's two sort of last parts, the final chapter of the go discussion. One is Fed or Rafa decide to do a year of doubles and win the, the turn, the, <laughs> the grant, like the all, all four, do you uh, think they would, though? Dude, I think so. Like, okay, you take Rafa and <laughs> let's say if he picks a, he picks whoever his partner is versus, like, Jack Sock and uh, and one of the Bryan brothers. Who are you taking? Uh, Ooh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one. I mean, those guys... I think those guys are exceptional doubles players, but if you're putting Rafa... And let's Rafa's say Djokovic playing are, doubles. His, his, his hands are incredible, though. Rafa, amazing serve. Unreal forehand and backhand. He, I mean, okay, he creates the most unreal angles that anyone is anyone can create. You give him I, an extra doubles alley, he's going to hit every ball skidding into the stands. I think he's with a solid partner. He's number and one. I feel, like, have, I feel like his spin serve is really effective in doubles. Yeah. 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 I'd... I'd rather see like a like a good like one two punch team of like Delvo. That's a doubles Nadal. specialist. Yeah, Brett, who, who, are you, who are you taking as your as your doubles team? Doubles team, I want I want Delpo Nadal. And then who would Fed's partner be? Federer and Chilich. Oh, <laughs> that'd be sad. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's that's that, that's as good as it would get. That would be that would be that would be a great match to watch. It's, it's kind of frustrating to think about because. You really want to see it happen, but are we ever going to see Federer and Chilich play doubles? No. Dude, I, no just think, I think one thing that would make tennis more interesting is if at slams the best players had more pressure to play doubles. Yeah. See, this, this is a good thing. I don't. I mean, I don't know if this is ever going to happen, but doubles. It's a shame that doubles isn't more popular. And why it's not popular is because top players don't play it, right? Because they want to focus on singles. So, do you think? I mean, this is. I would love to ask Macro this question because he really. I feel like this is a great, just a great. Like this is its own. This is its own episode, but yeah, he's really good at answering these kind of like structural shift in tennis questions. But are we ever going to see an ATP tour where top players get paid to play doubles? 
like they get paid an incentive fee for playing doubles and making the sport more more popular. I think tur- I think Grand Slam should do it. If you could get Federer playing, like, do you know how many people would pay to see Federer and Rafa play doubles? Yeah, or just to see Federer play doubles. I mean, it doesn't need to be with Rafa, just to see him play doubles. It'd be, and I feel like doubles is so much strategy that, like, Federer's mind on a doubles court would just be so amazing. Yeah. yeah. But remember, uh, Federer Wawrinka doubles Olympics was pretty spectacular. Yeah. The uh, last last thing in this conversation is, uh, guys, when we're talking about Robin Soderling, I looked up his Wikipedia. Robin Soderling's full name is Robin Bo Carl Soderling. Really? <laughs> B.O.S. and then Space Carl. So Robin Bo Carl. Bo Carl sounds like some like he grew up in uh, the bayou or something. <laughs> or the East Village. Yeah, the East Village or the bayou. Look, I found her. Damn. Red coat. Look, I found her. Look, I found her. Red coat. Look, I found her. I found her, damn, red coat, look I found her.